Letters 46 to 56 of Series 2 of the Letters of John Huss by Emile de Bonnechose. Translated by Campbell Mackenzie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Letters 46 to 56. Letter 46. To his friends. Last resolution of John Huss, to which, with the grace of God, he desires to remain faithful. These are the things which the council has often required of me. But they imply that I revoke, that I abjure, and that I accept a penance. And I cannot do it without denying in many things the truth. In the second place, I should perjure myself in abjuring and confessing errors falsely imputed to me. In the third place, I should afford a great scandal to the people of God who have listened to my sermons. And it would be better that a millstone were tied around my neck and that I were plunged to the bottom of the sea. Lastly, if I acted in this manner to avoid a momentary confusion and a short trial, I should fall into disgrace and much more terrible sufferings, unless, indeed, I repented of them before my death. Wherefore, in order to fortify myself, I have thought of the seven martyrs of the Maccabees, who preferred rather to be torn in pieces than partake of the meats prohibited by God. I have thought of St. Eleazar, who, according to what is written, was not willing to confess that he had eaten of prohibited meats for fear of leaving a bad example to posterity but preferred martyrdom. Having then before my eyes many saints of the new law who accepted martyrdom rather than consent to sin, how should I, who have exhorted others in my preachings to patience and firmness, be thus guilty of perjury and of so many vile falsehoods, and scandalize also by my example many children of the Lord? Far far from me be such a thought our saviour jesus christ will reward me fully and bestow on me in my trials the assistance of patience letter forty seven to his friends at prague he encourages and exhorts them not to be frightened on account of the council having delivered his writings to the flames he reminds them of the corrupted morals of that assembly and of the condemnation of Pope John. I ought to warn you, my well-beloved, not to let yourselves be alarmed by the sentence of those who have condemned my books to be burned. Remember that the Israelites burned the writings of the prophet Jeremiah, without, nevertheless, being able to avoid the lot which he predicted for them. God even commanded, after the destruction by fire of this prophecy, that a new and more extended one should be written, which was done. For Jeremiah dictated it in his prison, and Baruch wrote, as it is written in chapter 36 or 45 of Jeremiah. It is also written in the book of Maccabees that impious men burned the law of God and killed all those who were the depositaries of it. Under the new alliance they burned the saints with the books of the divine law. 
the cardinals condemned and delivered to the flames many books of St. Gregory, and would have burned them all if they had not been preserved by his servant Peter. Two councils of priests condemned St. John Chrysostom as a heretic, but God made their lie manifest after the death of him who was surnamed St. John of the Golden Mouth. Knowing, therefore, these things, let not fear prevent you from reading my books, and do not deliver them up to my enemies to be burned. Remember that the Lord has said, Before the day of judgment there shall be a great desolation, such as has not been witnessed since the beginning of the world to this day, and such, if it were possible, the elect themselves might be led astray. But on account of them these days shall be shortened." Think of that, my well-beloved, and be firm. This council of Constance will not extend to Bohemia. Many of those who compose it will die before they have succeeded in forcing my books from you. The majority will be dispersed on every side like storks, and they will discover on the approach of winter what they shall have done in the summer. Consider that they have declared the Pope their chief, worthy of death for his enormous crimes. Courage, and reply to these preachers who teach that the Pope is God on earth, that he can sell the sacraments, as the canonists declare, that he is the head of the church in administering it purely, that he is the heart of the church in vivifying it spiritually, that he is the source whence springs all virtue and all good, that he is the son of the holy church, the certain asylum where it is important that all Christians should find refuge. Behold, already this head is, as it were, severed by the sword. Already this terrestrial God is enchained. Already his sins are laid bare. This never-failing source is dried up. This divine sun is dimmed. This heart has been torn and branded with reprobation that no one should seek an asylum in it. The council has condemned its chief its own head, for having sold indulgences, bishoprics, and other things. But among those who have condemned him are to be found a great number of purchasers, who have, in their turn, engaged also in this unworthy traffic. There was amongst them the bishop John Littomissel, who twice wished to buy the bishopric of Prague. But others had the advantage over him. Oh, corrupt men! Why have they not, first of all, torn the beam from their own eyes, since it is written in their own law, whoever shall purchase a dignity with money shall be deprived of it? Sellers, therefore, and buyers, and whosoever shall interfere in this shameful contract, be ye condemned, as St. Peter condemned Simon, who wished to buy from him the virtue of the Holy Spirit." They have anathematized the seller and condemned him, and they themselves are the purchasers. They have affixed their hands to this pact, and they remain unpunished. What do I say? They traffic in this merchandise even in their very dwellings. There is in Constance one bishop who has bought, another who has sold, and the pope 
for having approved of the bargain, has received money from the two parties. If God had said to the members of this council, Let him amongst you who is without sin pronounce the sentence of Pope John, undoubtedly they would have withdrawn one after the other. Why did they formerly bend their knee before him? And why did they kiss his feet? Why did they term him most holy when they saw in him a homicide, a heretic, and a hardened sinner? For in this manner did they already speak of him in public. Why did the cardinals elect him pope, knowing that he had caused the death of his predecessor? Why did they suffer him, since his ascension to that office, to traffic in holy things? Do they not form his counsel to remind him of what is just? And are they not as much to blame as he for these crimes, since they tolerated in him vices which were common to them all? Why did no one dare resist him before his flight from Constance? They all feared him, then, as their holy father. But when, with the permission of God, the secular power laid hold of him, then they conspired and resolved that he should not escape death. Truly already have the malice, abomination, and turpitude of Antichrist been revealed in the Pope and the other members of this council. The faithful servants of God may now understand these words of the Savior, who said, When you shall behold the abomination of desolation foretold by the prophet Daniel, etc. Truly the supreme abomination is pride, avarice, and simony in deserted places, that is, in dignities where neither goodness nor humility nor any virtue is now to be found, as we now witness in those who are high in honor and places. Oh, how much I desire to unveil all the iniquities that I am acquainted with, in order that the faithful servants of God may keep on their guard against them. But I hope that God will send after me more vigorous champions. And there are now already those who will better expose all the cunning tricks of Antichrist, and who will expose themselves to death for the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will give unto you and me eternal beatitude. I write this letter on the day of St. John the Baptist, in prison and in chains, and I bear in mind that St. John was beheaded in prison for the word of God. Letter 48 John Huss to the University of Prague Honorable Masters, Bachelors, and Students of the University of Prague, you whom I cherish in Christ Jesus, I exhort you all to love one another, to extirpate schism, to honor God above all things, in reminding yourselves how much I have always desired that the progress of our university should turn to the glory of God. How much I have bewailed your discords and your violence, and how I have always endeavored to maintain united in our illustrious nation. Remember also how much my life has been embittered by the outrages and blasphemies of some amongst those whom I most loved, and for whom I would willingly have exposed my life. And now they inflict on me a cruel death? 
may the almighty god forgive them for they know not what they do and i pray with a sincere heart that he may spare them my well-beloved in jesus christ dwell in the truth that you have known which triumphs over all and which increases in strength even unto eternity know also that i have neither revoked nor abjured any article the council wished that i should acknowledge as false and erroneous all the articles extracted from my books i have refused unless they prove to me their falsehoods by the scriptures if there is really some erroneous meaning in these articles i detest it and refer its correction to our lord jesus christ who knows my sincerity and is aware that my intention is not to maintain an error and all of you likewise do i exhort in the lord to detest every error that you may discover in my works but in respecting that truth which i have ever kept in view pray for me and support each other in the peace of god i john huss in chains and already on the verge of the present life awaiting to-morrow a cruel death which i hope will wash away my sins not finding in myself any heresy by the grace of god confess with all my soul the truth in which i believe written five days before the festival of saint peter i conjure you to love bethlehem and to put gallus in my place for i think the lord is with him i recommend to you peter de modonevitz my very faithful and courageous comforter letter forty nine to his friends he explains to them how god permits his elect to be put to death and cites several examples by which he sustains and consoles himself my well-beloved in the lord many causes and especially the expectation of my speedy death had made me suppose that the letters i recently wrote to you would be the last now that a delay is accorded since it is permitted me to converse with you by letter i write to you again to testify at least all my gratitude in what concerns my death god only knows why it is deferred as also that of my very dear brother jerome who i hope will die in a holy manner without a stain i know that he acts and suffers now with more firmness than i infirm sinner that i am god has granted us much time that we might better recall our sins and direct ourselves with greater energy to repentance he has given us this time that a long and great trial might efface our sins and thus bring consolation with it he has granted it to us that we might meditate on the execrable outrages and cruel death of our king and merciful lord jesus christ and that we should thus support our own evils with greater constancy that we might at least remember that the joys of eternal life do not immediately follow this world's joys but that it is by passing through great tribulations that the saints enter the kingdom of god some of them have been without shrinking sawed in twain others have been burned 
stripped of their skin, buried alive, stoned, crucified, crushed between millstones, dragged here and there unto death, precipitated to the bottom of waters, strangled, cut into pieces, overwhelmed by outrages before their death, and tortured by hunger in their prisons and their chains. Who could describe the torments and agonies which all the saints have suffered for the divine truth under the old and new covenant, and especially those who have branded the iniquity of priests, and who have raised their voices against it? It would be a strange thing at present to remain unpunished when attacking the perversity of priests who will not endure any blame. I rejoice that they are now obliged to read my works, where their corruption is depicted, and I know they read them with greater attention than the Holy Scriptures in the ardent desire of finding out errors. Written on Thursday, before the festival of St. Peter. Letter 50. To the same. John Huss relates how the council, on the deposition of false witnesses and on account of his works, has condemned him, without having read them. I have resolved, dear and faithful friends in our Lord, to make known to you in what manner the council of Constance, swelled with so much pride and avarice, has condemned as heretical my books, written in the Bohemian tongue, without ever having seen or read them, and which it could not have understood, even when it had listened to the reading of them. For this council is filled with Italians, French, Germans, Spaniards, and persons from all countries, and of every different language. They could not be understood but by the bishop John de Littlemissel, by several bohemians my enemies and by a few priests of prague who have first to calumniate the truth of god and afterwards our bohemia which i hope is a country of a perfect faith remarkable for its attachment to the word of god as well as for its good morals and if you had been at Constance, you would have witnessed the detestable abomination of this council which calls itself infallible and very holy an abomination of which many of the country of the Grissons have said the city of Constance could not wash herself of in thirty years, and almost everybody supporting with great difficulty the great corruption which is to be seen in it is irritated against the council. When I first appeared in the presence of this assembly to reply to my adversaries, seeing that everything was done without order and hearing a general clamor, I cried aloud. I thought the council had possessed more good breeding, charity, and discipline. When the first of the cardinals answered, Is it thus that thou speakest? Thy language was more modest in prison. Yes, I replied, for in prison no one vociferated against me, and now you are all vociferous. It is thus this council, which has done more evil than good, has acted toward me with inordinate violence. O oh, my faithful friends, my well-beloved in God, suffer not yourselves to be alarmed at the sentence these men have delivered against my books. Like insects, they will disperse here and there and there, like winged insects, their ordinances will endure as long as a spider's webs. 
They endeavored to shake my perseverance in the word of God, but they were not able to daunt the courage which God has armed me with. They refused to examine the scriptures with me, although my words were supported by the testimony of several noble seigneurs, ready to suffer ignominy with me for the cause of truth, and who remained firm to my party, and especially Wenceslas Duba and John of Clum, introduced to the council by the Emperor Sigismund himself. Having said that, if I had erred, I should be glad to be instructed in my errors. Since you desire to be instructed, replied the Grand Cardinal, you must first of all abjure your doctrine, conformable to the scriptures of the fifty doctors and the interpreters of the Holy Scriptures. An excellent advice. Therefore, St. Catherine should renounce the word of God and faith in Jesus because the fifty doctors opposed her? But this sublime virgin did not yield. She remained faithful unto death. She thus gained over her judges to Christ. But I cannot in the same manner persuade mine. It is wherefore I have thought fit to write you, in order that you might be informed they have not vanquished me, neither by scripture nor by reason, but tried me by terror and lies to extort an abjuration from me. The God of mercy, whose justice I have glorified, was with me. He is with me now, and I am confident he will remain with me to the end. Written the fourth day after the festival of John the Baptist, in prison, in chains, and in the expectation of death. And yet I dare not say, on account of the hidden judgment of God, that this letter may be my last. For even now, the Almighty God may effect my deliverance. Letter 51 To His Friends He returns some thanks for their kindness. May God be with you, and grant you every felicity for the kindness you have heaped on me. Suffer not that Signor John, my best friend, my other self, to expose himself to peril for my sake. I ask this of you, Signor Peter, in particular in the name of the Lord. Lastly, I conjure you to live according to God's word and obey his precepts as I have taught you to do. Render thanks to His Royal Majesty for all the benefits that I have received from Him. Salute for me your families and my other friends, whom I cannot name here individually. I pray to God for you. Pray to Him for me, to that great God, near whom, with His aid, we shall all yet arrive. Amen. I think that I shall have to suffer for the word of God, but you will not. I conjure you in his name, permit his ministers and saints to be rigorously treated. John Huss, in hope, servant of God. P.S. Peter, my very dear friend, keep in remembrance of me my fur cloak. Signor Henry, may you live in health with your wife. I thank you for your kindness. May God heap his riches upon you. Letter 52 to John of Chlum 
I am greatly rejoiced that the Senor Wenceslas desires to take to himself a wife and to flee from the vanities of the world. It is time he should retrace his steps. He has for a long time traveled kingdoms, played at the lance, wearied his body, spent his fortune, and offended his soul. Let him then renounce such a life and dwell at home in peace with his wife and the servants, there to serve God. It is better indeed to serve God without sin, in peace and tranquility of mind, than to serve any other master amidst great anxieties and to the peril of our souls. Give these lines to my excellent friend to read. The Lord still preserves the life of John Huss, and will continue to do so as long as it is his good will against the efforts of avarice, proud, and impious men of this council, where there are but few, God knows if I exaggerate, who obey his precept. Written on the Festival of the Holy Apostles Peter and Paul John Huss, in hope, servant of Christ Letter 53 to John of Chlum My very dear benefactor in Jesus Christ, it is no slight satisfaction to me to be able to write to you. Your letter, dated yesterday, has made me understand, first, how will be unveiled and exposed to the light the iniquity of this perverse assembly, of the great prostitutes spoken of in the Apocalypse, with whom, spiritually, the kings of the earth pollute themselves by quitting the truth of the Lord in order to assist the lies of Antichrist, by seduction, fear, or in the hope of acquiring by this alliance the advantages of the world. I understood, secondly, that the enemies of the truth begin to be alarmed. Thirdly, I recognized the charitable order, the intrepid firmness with which you confess the truth. And lastly, I saw with joy that you wished to put an end to the vanities and laborious servitudes of the age and combat for our Lord Jesus Christ, to serve whom is, as St. Gregory expresses it, to reign. He who faithfully serves him well will be served by him in the celestial realms. He has said, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching, Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over his goods. The kings of this world do not act in this manner toward their servants. They love them only as long as they are useful and necessary to them. This is not the conduct of Jesus, the King of glory who crowned the holy apostles Peter and Paul, introducing the former into the celestial kingdom by crucifixion, etc., the latter by decapitation, the first after having been imprisoned four times and delivered by an angel, the second after having been beaten thrice with rods, once stoned, often afflicted, and twice shipwrecked, and having lingered two years in prison. Now they no longer suffer anxieties and torments, but enjoy a sweet and unchangeable peace, as well as infinite joy. Peter and Paul reign already with the King of Heaven. They are already among the angelic choir. 
they behold the king of kings in his magnificence no sorrows afflict them and they are filled with ineffable happiness may these glorious martyrs now united to the king of glory deign to intercede for us that strengthened by their assistance we may participate in their glory after having suffered with humility since the all-powerful god declared it is for our welfare that we suffer in this world amen written on the festival of the holy apostles peter and paul if you can write to me again i beseech you in the name of the lord i conjure you also to salute most particularly the queen my sovereign advise her to hold fast to the truth and not be scandalized on my account as if i were a heretic salute for me also your wife whom i conjure you to love in christ for i trust she is amongst the children of god through observing his commandments salute all the friends of the earth letter fifty four to master john christian an exhortation christian my master and benefactor keep steadfast in the truth of christ and in the love of his disciples fear not for the lord will shortly afford us his protection and augment the number of his faithful believers be always kind to the poor as thou wert wont guard thy chastity flee avarice hold not several livings but keep thy church that the faithful may find refuge in thee as in the bosom of a father o thou whom i love salute for me jacobel and all the friends of the truth written in irons and expecting to suffer death letter fifty five to his benefactors he exhorts them to prefer serving our savior jesus christ who will not deceive them rather than the princes of the earth my excellent benefactors i exhort you by the bowels of jesus christ you who defend the truth to renounce the vanities of the age and to combat for our eternal king jesus christ put not your trust in princes nor in the children of men for the children of men are false and full of lies to-day they live and to-morrow they are no more god alone is eternal he has servants not for his own wants but for the advantage even of his servants on whom he bestows the riches he has promised them for he has said where i am there also shall be my servant the lord renders his servants masters of all he possesses giving himself up to them and giving all with himself in order that they may without weariness and without anxiety possess all things and rejoice with all the saints in eternal happiness blessed is the servant who watches when his lord cometh fortunate is the servant who shall joyfully repose on the bosom of the king of glory serve then this king with fear you who love him with all your heart he will conduct you in safety to bohemia 
in his grace, and afterwards, I trust, into eternal glory. Adieu, for I believe this letter may be the last that I shall write to you. Tomorrow I shall be cleansed from my sins by a cruel death in hope of Christ. I cannot write what has occurred to me this night. Sigismund has done all with trick and cunning. May God forgive him. You have heard the sentence which he delivered. Do not, I conjure you, suspect in the slightest degree the faithful Vitus. Letter 56 and the last to his faithful friend Letteretz. Senor Letteretz, my faithful friend, you, de Margaret, and all of you who love me, may God bestow on you all his riches for the great trouble you have taken and for the many favors that I have received at your hands. Dear and faithful Master Christian, may God be with you, Master Martin, my disciple, forget not the faithful manner in which I taught you the word of God. Master Nicholas, Peter, the priest of the Lord, the king, the masters, and the heads of the university, preserve faithfully God's word. May Gaius preach it, and all of you, my beloved, listen attentively to it and guard it in your hearts. End of letter 56 End of letters 46 to 56 of series 2 of the letters of John Huss by Emile de Bonachose Translated by Campbell Mackenzie